0: We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor Barnwell. To hear more, please use our media player at PCACHurch.com. And join us every Sunday at 1030 at 2313 East Prospect in Ponca City. Now join us for the following message. I've talking about words from the cross, cross words. I've been talking about how that um, he said these words to those on the sides of him and those who were standing in front of him he said father forgive them forgive them he forgave Pilate he forgave all of the soldiers he forgave the Sanhedrin the Pharisees the Sadducees he also forgave you and me for what our sins caused him on the cross he said my God my God why have you forsaken me and I talked about the why we have a lot of why's in life why and then I talked about being forsaken. Sometimes we feel forsaken, but we will never be forsaken because he was forsaken for us. Then I saw those words that said, When Jesus saw, when he saw his mother, he stared intently, looked at her on purpose, and talked about how that Jesus stares intentionally at you and me and looks at us on purpose. And then it is finished, it's done. It's completed. Thank God for the completed work on the cross. Jesus will never start something and not finish it. He finishes what He starts. And so on Easter Sunday, it's kind of an easy message. Because on Easter Sunday, you come to church, you go, I know what that pastor's going to preach about today. He's going to talk about an empty tomb. Well, you're right. But the inspiration for my message today was actually my granddaughter last Sunday. Last Sunday after church, we were sitting around the table and and we were having a good time and we were cutting my birthday cake and it was all fun and games. And all of a sudden, my granddaughter got real serious. She looked at me with a very serious face and she said, Poppy, I said, yeah, baby girl, what's the matter? She said, I had a bad day. I said, why did you have a bad day? Well, I had a bad day at school this week. I said, why did you have a bad day at school? She said, well, the teacher said, I like that, the teacher said that I made a bad choice. Now she's four years of age and they're already teaching consequences to choices. She had a bad day at school because she... Made a bad choice. I wonder how many of us have ever had a bad day because we made a bad choice. So the title of my message today is uh, A Bad Day. (laughs) A bad day. I've had bad days because of my bad choices. We have consequences to our choices. Today I want to take us to this wonderful passage, John 20, verse Verses one and following. Read it with me on your Bibles, your phones, whatever you have today. It says, early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one who Jesus loved, and said, they've taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they've put him. So Peter and the other disciple started for the tomb. Both were running we find out here that Peter was not a very good runner. But the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked in the, at the strips of linen lying there, but he did not go in. Now we know Simon Peter's character is, he's the first one to jump out of a boat, right? He's the first one to go into the tomb. So, so Simon Peter, he goes into the tomb and he finds the strips of linen laying there. While the cloth was still in its place separate from the linen, finally the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went in. He saw and believed. They still did not understand from Scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to where they were staying. So Jesus had been crucified, taken down from the cross, His body had been prepared, but we know that he did not have his own tomb. And so the tomb that was the closest, the tomb that was available, was a very wealthy man by the name of Joseph of Arimathea. And so they took and prepared Jesus' body, and they put it in that tomb. And it says that they rolled the stone over the face of the tomb. There's a lot of theological debate over what this really meant about rolling the stone. Some theologians, because of this culture in that day, most stones were either cone-shaped and they would literally pick it up and force it into the stone like a cork or a plug. But the very wealthy people would have round stones that would physically be rolled And we know that this was the type of stone because of the Greek word kuleo. Kuleo meant to be rolled. So they rolled the stone. It was a very wealthy man's tomb. They rolled the stone in front of the tomb. And then there was a rumor. The rumor was that the disciples, and the fear was the disciples would come at night, steal the body, and then proclaim, he is risen. So, they placed a guard at the tomb. Now, if we just read that, we're going to think, okay, one soldier put at the entrance of the tomb, and that's going to guard it all night long. But in all honesty and truthfulness, a guard was 16 soldiers. Four soldiers in four rows. So they put 16 soldiers, armed, trained soldiers, soldiers the elite of the elite i mean these are the bad dudes they put them at the entrance to the tomb so you have 16 soldiers a stone that has been rolled into place this tomb is secure it is also known that if even one soldier nodded off during their watch all 16 soldiers would be killed. So this is serious stuff. Nobody's nodding off. No one's dazing off. Nobody's eyes are glazing. This is serious. They are set at guard. The tomb is sealed. The tomb is ready. Now look at Matthew 28. After the Sabbath, at the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake. Don't you love God? He loves big stuff. There was a violent earthquake for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. That's cool. I mean, let your mind think about it. Just roll it back, sit down, taking it easy. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothes were white as snow. The guards, 16 strong, trained soldiers, were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men, frozen. I mean, this is fear at its highest point. The angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who is crucified. He is not here. He is risen just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, he has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid, yet filled with joy. Have you ever had two emotions at the same time? I mean so much fear. A guy looks like lightning sitting on a stone talking with you. The soldiers can't speak. They're over here frozen. They're still filled with fear but they are so excited. They ran to tell the disciples. Suddenly Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. (laughs) This whole thing just blows my mind. The two ladies have just gone and he stops and goes, Greetings. I mean, I don't think I would do that, would you? i go, it's me. <laughs> he goes, greetings. Greetings. They came and clasped his feet and worshiped him. Then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. And here's what the guards did. While the women were on their way, some of the guards went to the city and reported to the chief priest everything that happened. When the chief priests had met with the elders and devised a plan, how many know that the world is always devising a plan to try to figure out how to handle Christians? They were devising a plan. Wow. I wonder how many people today are still devising plans. And they gave the soldiers a large sum of money telling them, you are to say... His disciples came during the night, stole him away while we were asleep. How many problems are with that report? 16 guys, you can't steal them away from 16 armed soldiers, and they're asleep. Shouldn't they be dead? Wow. If this report gets to the governor, here's what we will do. We will satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. So the soldiers took the money, did as they were instructed, and this story has been widely circulated among the Jews to this very day. So the soldiers should have been killed, but they said, hey, we'll take care of it if it gets to the governor. They took the money, circulated the story. Everything's good, right? Now look at John 20, verses 19 and following. On the first evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together, with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. one of the 12 was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the nails in his hands and put my fingers where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. Thomas was having a bad day. Thomas Was not there. And we often equate this one word with Thomas doubt. Doubt. I've been told for years don't doubt. Don't have any doubts. Doubts are bad. And I'm here to tell you some good news today doubts are not bad. I've had many doubts. I still have some doubts. You may go, Pastor, you doubt? Absolutely. How many of you have ever had a doubt in your life about a God situation? Raise your hand, testify. Yes, we all have. Doubt is not bad. The word doubt means this, too. It means to be in between two things. So Thomas was in between unbelief and belief. He was in between, he was in the middle. He didn't know which way to go. There was two choices, he had to make a choice and right now he's in the middle of doubt. Doubt is not unbelief. Thomas had been with the other disciples when Jesus had performed all kinds of miracles. So if he was to be given the choice, will you believe that Jesus could feed 5,000? Thomas would go, I believe. Do you believe that he can heal the sick? I'm the first one to believe of the disciples. Thomas, do you believe that he can walk on water? I saw him. I believe. Do you believe that he can raise the dead? Yes, I was right there at Lazarus' tomb. I believe he can raise the dead. Thomas, do you believe that Jesus is alive? This is a first I didn't see it. It's not that I don't believe, but I'm having some doubt. And until I see it, I'm going to doubt. It's kind of like the father that brought his son to Jesus and he wanted him to perform a miracle in his son's life. And here was his prayer. He said, Jesus, I believe, yet help my unbelief. You see, the father was in between he was in between. He, he's got unbelief on this side. He's got belief. He said, I want to believe. I do believe. But there's some unbelief. There's there's doubts I'm in between the two. I've got belief for a lot of things that God can do in my life, in your life, because I've been there. I've seen God do it. I have seen God heal headaches. How many believe God can heal headaches? Man. I've seen God. Heal backs. I mean, believe God can heal backs. I, I've seen, it. I, I've seen a, a young boy who couldn't straighten his arm out. I saw him straighten it out one night. I believe that. But there's sometimes we go through situations for the first time. And in the moment of going through something for the first time, we might have a moment for doubt. You see, doubt challenges our faith. And the Bible says we are to live by faith. So I accept by faith that Jesus was raised from the dead. Don't you? I accept that. I'm not in between. I believe. I do not have any doubts that Jesus is alive. I mean, I don't have those doubts. But faith deals with all the uncertainties in our lives. We all live by faith whether we know it or not. We all live by faith. By faith. We flip on the light switch and That was was your pastor jumping off a Telluride Mountain. Some of you are doubting. Come on. I'm a crazy guy, but I am not that crazy. I'm not that crazy. But you know why that guy jumped off of that cliff wearing a bodysuit? Because he had faith in his bodysuit and his parachute. And he said, this was awesome. Every day you live by faith. You get in your car and you push a button or you turn a key and what happens? Car cranks up. And by faith you fly down the highway at 70 miles an hour in a 55. 55. With oncoming traffic just two feet away from you. And you never think about having an accident because you've done it so many times. I've seen people get on airplanes, and I can tell who is one of their first flights. They get on their nervous, they're looking at everything. And I've seen people who are seasoned flyers get on an airplane, they're not even paying attention to what they're doing. The, the newbie's getting on there. Where's my seat? Where's my seat? And they sit down and they're like, oh man, look around, look around, look around. And, and the seasoned flyer gets on there and is already listening to their earbuds or reading a book or doing something. They're so relaxed and chilled. And the plane gets ready. It starts to take off. And the guy's over there are almost asleep, you know. And the other one gets on there for the first time. He's shaking. Oh God, oh God. He's praying, oh Father, oh Father hallelujah. Help us, God. And then you know what happens after you get flying for a little bit, you know, you kind of get up around 35,000 feet and then all of a sudden you hit some turbulence. Well, the other guy that's been flying a long time, he is just sound asleep and the other guy is over there again praying every religious prayer known to God and man and going, God, if you ever get me out of this plane, I'll drive, I'll drive, I'll drive. (laughs) Because he has doubts in the airplane, doubts in the ability of the pilots. The other guy is relaxed and sleeping through the whole thing. Why? He has faith in the plane. He has faith in the pilots. And he's done it many, many times. In your life and my life, when we are challenged with situations in our lives, the only way we can go, that was awesome. Hallelujah, praise God, is when our faith, has been used over and over, and we know that we know that we know that God will meet the need, that God will perform the miracle because we've been through it. Some people will ask you, how can you be so calm in the middle of all the crisis in your life? I've got a peace that passes all understanding. How? Jesus showed up to the disciples and said what? Peace. Because I've been through this many times. The devil has tried to steal, kill, and destroy my life many times. But every time I flip the switch, the light of God shows up. Every time I turn on the key or push the button, man, God gets me through. Every time turbulence comes in my life, I just sit back and enjoy the ride because I know that in the end, I'm coming down safely and God's bringing me to a new place in my life, and it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. But the only way you do that without doubting is you've done it many times. I got to tell you, this guy jumping off the cliff, that wasn't the first time he did that. And that's not where he started out. You don't start out and that's the first thing you do. You build up. You build up. Halo training, high altitude, low opening. They start by jumping off of a eight foot little platform. Can you do that? They don't just start out jumping out at 50,000 feet with oxygen mask and body flying for 300 miles at 200 miles an hour and then open a chute at 2,000 feet. They don't start there. And I've seen a lot of Christians, they want to start with big stuff. Aren't you glad that God starts us out with little bitty things? Do you have faith to believe that I can feed you? Do you have faith to believe that I can meet your need? Do you have faith to believe that I love you, that I care about you? You see, Thomas was good with all the little stuff, but this is huge. I've never been in this situation before. And now he's having to go through it. When faith has been tested, doubt will be arrested. Yes, you've got to have your faith tested. Untested faith brings a lot of doubt. This is Thomas's first time he's in between. He's in the middle of doubt. I have seen God do crazy things. Maybe you have seen God do crazy things too. Or maybe today you're right there with Thomas. There's something going on in your life and you're having a little doubt, but you're like, oh, I can't doubt because if I doubt, then that means I don't believe. We'll find the light switch in a minute. And by faith, they will come on. (laughs) We've got to have things tested. Doubt is not bad. I've seen people beat themselves up over doubt. Pastor, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I've I've doubted. Doubt is not bad. Doubt is in between. I just haven't faced this yet. Thomas made a bad choice, all the other disciples stayed together. Now, they did flee because they were afraid that they were going to be killed. That's a pretty good deal, isn't it? Let's stay together. I guarantee you they found a good hiding place. They locked the doors and said, There's no windows, nobody can find us. And Thomas is probably thinking, Man, those dudes are, that's not a good hiding place. I know a good hiding place. Nobody will find me. And so he goes off, finds his own place, does his own thing, and because of that, he was not there. He was not there when it happened. Have you ever missed out on it? Where people go, oh, you should have been there. You ever, been, you ever had that? You know, as a preacher's kid growing up, the only place I went was church. And so every now and then, once every 16 years or so, I'd miss a service. And it would always be the one everybody would go, oh, you should have been there. It was awesome. So-and-so walked in the back of the church, the person in the community that nobody thought would ever walk into church. they walked in, then they walked to the front and they got saved. I mean, started a revival. We were there to the one o'clock. It was awesome, and I missed it. Yeah. Maybe you've been at you know, some concert, you missed it, whatever it was. Thomas was there, and all the disciples were going, "Dude. You should have been there. The doors were locked and we don't know how, but he showed up right there, right in front of us. I don't know how it happened. And Thomas, we saw him. We saw his hands. We saw his side. We saw his feet. It was Jesus. Ah, Come on, guys, seriously. Don't be pulling my leg. Y'all are just doing this because I wasn't there. I wasn't there. And I got to tell you, missing out causes doubt. Why do we need to come to church so we don't miss out? The Bible says don't forget the assembling of yourselves together. Why? Because we need each other to erase doubt. When I come to church and I have a situation in my life I'm facing for the first time, I may have some doubts, but guess what? Somebody else went through that situation and God showed up right in the middle of it, and God performed things, miracles in their life, and now they share that with me. Hey pastor, we've been through the same thing, and look what God did. And then I read the verse, that he has no respect of person. What he does for one, he will do for another. My faith begins to grow, my doubt begins to fall back, and all of a sudden now, I begin to see, this is why we gather together to encourage each other. Those disciples were there, man. They were pumped. They were ready to go out and win the world. Jesus breathed on them. They received the Holy Spirit. And Thomas is like, yeah, right. No, it happened. It happened. You should have been there. You missed it. Missing out causes doubts. But I'm sure, I'm sure Thomas had a good excuse. I mean, his excuse was really, hey guys, I I wasn't there because your hiding place wasn't so good. I found a better one and the soldiers are gonna kill us if they find us. Well, that's a really good excuse, isn't it? Death if he don't come. (laughs) But guess what? Through the years, I've heard a lot of good ones as to why people don't come to church. People tell me, oh pastor, I can just commune with God better in nature. What that means, you got to trans, translate it into the English version. What that means is I'm going hunting, I'm going fishing, I'm going golfing, I'm going camping. That's what you got to interpret that. You got to, you got to be able to have a wisdom of the Holy Spirit to help you with that one. And then sometimes people tell me, "Oh, you know what, Pastor? I was sick, and it really was sick. True, they were sick, but sometimes it was a." can't go to church. (laughs) I have always maintained, as a pastor, you don't get this view, but as a pastor, I have maintained, if there's any pastors in the house, you know what I'm talking about. The greatest miracles don't happen on Sundays. The greatest miracles happen on Monday morning, when those who are too sick to go to church on Sunday, somehow have a miraculous resurrection of the body can jump out of bed, put on their clothes, and go to work singing zippity-doo-dah. That's a miracle right there. I'm thinking, I want Monday on Sunday sometimes. The greatest miracles, Monday mornings, I'm telling you. Sometimes it's ball games. Hey, listen, I understand ball games. I love sports. DVR that baby. Zip through the commercials. It's a lot better. But excuses will cause you to doubt. Excuses will cause you to miss out. I've had people tell me, well, the church is too cold. It's too hot. It's too loud. It's too quiet. They flip the lights on and off. <laughs> it's not in my notes, but I thought I'd put it right in there. It's my only day to sleep in. I understand. But because of the missing out, it will cause you to doubt. Because we've got to encourage each other in all the situations of our life, God will show up. And we've got to have faith to believe it. But the only way you have faith is to use that faith, to step out in faith. Make bad choices, you won't believe. Look at this, John 20, verse 26. A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Good choice. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here, see my hands, reach out your hand and put it in my sight. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God. Jesus told him, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those you have not yet seen and yet have believed. You see, Jesus is always exampling the one. He leaves 99 for one. He did not have it in his plans to circle back through town, but he did for one. Every one of us today is priceless in God's eyes. Every one of us today, God cares so much for. For us to sit here and say, God doesn't care, God doesn't love, you haven't used much faith because that's one of the foundational beliefs of faith is that God loves me and God cares about me. Well, why did this happen to me? Maybe because you needed faith to get through it and God would have given you victory had you not missed out and caused doubt. God showed up through his son Jesus for Thomas. And Thomas, if you notice, he didn't really have to put his hands in his hands. He didn't have to put his hands in his side. He just saw him my Lord and my God. I don't care how many times you ask Thomas after that. Thomas, do you believe? First hand up, I believe. I believe. He breathed on me. I had an encounter with Jesus. And it changes your life. Thomas didn't doubt anymore. He was not in between unbelief and belief. He was moved all the way over to belief. And today, if there's anybody here who's going through a situation in life and you're kind of in between, you're in the middle, you're right in the middle of doubt. I want to move you over to belief today. I want to take you out from in between belief and unbelief and move you over to believing to get rid of the doubt that God will show up for you no matter what it is. I've had people who've had faith for, for headaches and for God to help back. but but when it comes to cancer, this is different, Pastor. No, it's not. It's just jumping off a cliff instead of riding a bicycle. This is serious, it can be awesome when all of a sudden we step out by faith and take God at his word. His word declares he was wounded for my transgressions. He was bruised for my iniquities. My peace was upon him and by his stripes I am healed. By faith, by faith I believe that. Hallelujah. When death comes my way, and it will, unless he comes back, it will come to you. But when that moment happens, I will not fear being by myself. Because when I walk through that valley, he's gonna be right there with me. He's gonna look at me and say, son, in just a minute, you're about to see something you've never seen before. In just a minute, you're about to feel something you've never felt before. In just a moment, that that dim window you've been looking through by faith is about to be cleared. In just a moment, (laughs) just a moment, and peace will come over my soul. Why? Because I made a good choice. I was there when it happened. My doubts get erased but Pastor, you've never been through death. No, it'd be my first time experience. But I've walked enough by faith in this life that I know that I know that I know my God will walk right there with me. And I gotta tell you, there's consequences to our choices. I've been in hospital rooms with people who've made some bad choices at the last moments. And I'm in this next story, you you can some of you have doubts. Some of you will have unbeliefs, but I was there. I've been there in the room just before the passing of people and I've heard them scream as loud as they can scream, I'm on fire! And that was their last words. Been in that room. It is heart-wrenching. It is terrifying to see the look on their face and to hear that exclamation, and that's part of the last thing they say on this earth. I've been there. And I've also been in the room where somebody is just peaceful. The last church I pastored, there was a pastor there for 40 years. And before I got there, he had passed away and his wife was still there. Sweet, sweet lady. She was so sweet that every sermon I preached, now she had heard her husband preach for 40 years. Every sermon I preached, she would meet me in the foyer and she would hand me a rose every Sunday. And she would say, Pastor, that was the best message I have ever heard. Wow, that's what a pastor likes to hear after service. And I knew it was sincere And so I got a call one morning from her daughter. And she said, Pastor, uh, you were the first one on the list to call today. So she called me, and I went over to her house. And Sister Stover had, had gone the day before and got her hair done. She had gotten a brand new pair of pajamas and put them on. She had laid down in bed, pulled the covers up, and she had the most peaceful smile on her face when I got there. She had already gone to be with her Lord and Savior. I've been in the room where people were just peaceful because that peace of God was walking them through the valley of the shadow of death. And they feared no evil. And God was with them. You know why? Because they made a good choice. Made a good choice. I made a good choice. I'm having a good day. I made a bad choice. I'm having a bad day. You see, sometimes today in this world we're living in, a lot of people want proof. Proof. Well, the Bible gives us evidence. Evidence. The Bible has given us enough evidence to have enough faith to live by. The Bible doesn't tell me all I want to know, but it tells me all I need to know to live by faith. We have to make choices as to how we live. The Bible's giving me enough evidence because it wasn't just one or two. It wasn't just the ladies, but the disciples. And then for 40 days, he showed himself. And then you know what? I had an encounter with him myself. I didn't touch his hands. And I didn't touch his side or his feet. But he encountered me. And I made a good choice. And the Bible says it's more blessed to have not seen and believed than to have seen and believed. So you and I today, God calls us more blessed. We're happier, happy people, blessed people, happy because we believe by faith that the tomb is empty. We believe by faith that he resurrected from the dead, that he walked on this earth for 40 days, that his body is no longer limited by time nor space. Because he just shows up in a room and then he just leaves. He was able to eat with his disciples on the shore after resurrection so we know his body has flesh and bone. But it does not have blood. That's the power of the resurrected body. You know why he doesn't have blood? Because blood brings death in our lives, in our bodies. But he shed his blood for you and me. All of his blood is gone out so that our sins which were scarlet could be white as snow. He is living inside of us today. His power is resurrecting inside of us. And Paul said, I want to know him in the power of his resurrection. Today, I'm just like one of the 12 that was in that room and said, hey, I saw him, I believe. But pastor, you've never seen him. Oh, by faith I have. By faith I've seen him walking. By faith I've seen his hands and his side. And I know why. He breathed on me. And I received the Holy Spirit, that dunamis power of God that dynamic power of God that's exploding inside of me to tell you today, he is risen, he is alive. If you're in the middle of doubt, I want you to move to belief. It is real, hallelujah. He loves you and he wants you to serve him. Don't miss out, cause doubt. I want your faith to get tested and doubt be arrested today. Because he is here in this place. Sometimes we walk into church and think, well, it's just us. No, no, no. Right now, you may not see it, but there are angels posted all around this place. Because this is holy ground. God has posted his angels, warring angels, 10 to 12, 15 foot tall, swords ready. And they're guarding this place. You may not see it. Elijah's servant had to go look several times. Then he said, Whoa, wait a minute. There's more force than against us. You may be here today thinking, I'm doing this all by myself. Nobody else knows. Nobody cares. The pastor hasn't called me. My friends haven't called me. Nobody cares. Listen, God cares. You're not by yourself, God knows everything going on in your life. God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or imagine. Don't doubt. There's some things I wrote down today that I believe. And you can make your own list up on Easter. But I believe, I believe that he is alive. I believe that he exists. I believe that he loves me. I believe that he is for me and not against me. I believe that he will carry my burdens when I cast them upon him. I believe he knows my every thought. I believe that he knows and directs my footsteps. I believe that he will never leave me nor forsake me. That he took stripes on his back for my healing. That he will wipe away every tear from my eyes. I believe that he will provide for all my needs according to his riches, not mine. I believe that he will walk through the valley of death with me. And I believe that at any moment a trumpet can sound and an angel can shout, and we're out of here. I believe that I will receive a robe and a crown. And I believe that I will spend an eternity with him in heaven. And these things I do not doubt. There's enough evidence to prove, in my opinion, That if we make bad choices, there is a real hell. And God does not send anyone to hell. We choose ourselves not to serve God. Now I know this message is probably not what you come to hear on Sunday at Easter. But I've got to give you one side and the other. There's a real hell. And despite some theologians, we will not just be burned up, poof, and it's over. No. It will be an eternity of damnation. Read it in the book. Brimstone and fire, the smell of sulfur, screams, and the greatest is separation from God. That's hell. God wants no one to go there only place was created for the the, the devil, Lucifer and his third of the angels. That's why God created hell. Not for any of us. However he wants us to serve him and to love him because we choose to. So there's a real heaven. It's real. There's real streets of gold walls of jasper and there's a real gate of pearl and I can't wait to see them. There's a real river of life and there's a tree of life and you can imagine hunting and fishing all you want to whatever you want to do. Fine. Now all of us have our visions of heaven. I don't know what yours looks like, but I know what mine looks like. And I thought about it a little bit this week and, and Wednesday night I, I played my guitar and it reminded me of my family getting together and I can't wait to get my family together, sit down by the river of life and get the guitar and, and play some of the old hymns, the old rugged cross and what a day that will be. We'll go, what a day it was <laughs> when we saw him face to face and I just won't sing about in the garden, I will be in a garden with him. Hallelujah. A real heaven where he says, I will wipe away every tear. There'll be no more sorrow, no more sickness, no more death. And forever we will spend in eternity with him and we'll receive a crown of righteousness. And at some point, we will take that crown and cast it upon a glassy sea and we will all bow our knee and we will all together with millions of others and tongues of every nation to proclaim, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. I want everybody to be there. I want every one of you to be there. And so does God. God wants every one of us to be there. But we've got to make the right choice Today. We've got to make the right choice. If you make a good choice, you're going to have a good day. If you make a bad choice, the pastor said, you're going to have a bad day. I don't want you to have a bad day. I want you to say, thank you, pastor, for telling me the truth. I want you to see me in heaven and come up and hug me so big. And I go, what? what's that for? Because you told me the truth. Heaven is real. He really does exist. He is alive. And it gives me hope. We have that blessed hope that if we go by the grave or if we go through the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, we will all one day be with him, the resurrected Savior. And he will look at us and he will say, peace, peace be unto you. My Beloved bride, I believe it's getting real close for the Father to look over the son and say, "Hey son, it's about time to go get your bride. It's about time. The wedding feast is about ready. The bride is ready. I can't wait for that moment. Jesus predicted, told the disciples, those that were there believed, but there was one who missed out, missed it, caused doubt. Today, I'm so glad you're here that you didn't miss it. And you might can go tell somebody else this week, oh, you should have been at church Sunday. What happened? I had an encounter with Jesus. I had an encounter with Jesus. It changed my life. Would you stand with me today, Church? We're standing in a church. That doesn't mean everybody has been moved over to believing. There may be some here today who say, you know what? I still have a bunch of doubts, Pastor. Maybe some of you have gone through some hardships and you didn't get quite the answer, the result that you wanted. And you go, you know what? Hey, listen, I was there. I was there. For those of you here today that don't know me, I'm a son of a preacher and my father died at 17 and I had asked God for five years to heal my father and I did not get the answer I wanted and so here's what I told God. And guess what? God's big God. He can handle it. I told God, if this is the kind of God you are, that you do not help me when I really need your help, then I don't need you. That's what I told Him guess what? He didn't strike me dead. He knew where I was. I was a believer. But I had now doubts. Because God, where were you when I really needed you? It took me seven years to get through that. I didn't hate God. I didn't run away from God. It's just I don't need you. And and if you're not going to help me, why? And Some of you may be there today. Maybe you've gone through it yourself or maybe you've seen somebody else go through it and all the things that people told you just didn't end up that way I'm here today to tell you don't doubt hold on stay faithful here's what God's word said God is faithful he cannot lie he will perform what he said he will perform. His words. So today, if you're in that middle of doubt, I want you to message. Join us anytime at PCACHurch.com and every Sunday at 2313 East Prospect in Ponca City.